Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, Rick here from Fuel by the Outdoors, and I'm here to talk to you about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It is coming up quickly and you're not going to want to miss it. Come see what the show is all about on June 23rd and 24th at the Chattanooga Convention Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Come try and test all things mobile hunting. I'm talking stands, sticks, platforms, saddles, e-bikes, archery equipment, you name it, we got it. I personally can't wait to start looking at some new stands and sticks. I'm looking to replace some of my old stuff and I know there's going to be great equipment there from some of those vendors. Our goal is to put on the whitetail event of the summer to help you become the most efficient hunter in this upcoming season. Tickets are on sale now at the mobilehuntersexpo.com. And you know what? If you can't make the first show, then come out to the Northern Show at the Kalamazoo County Expo Center in Kalamazoo, Michigan on July 28th and 29th. I can't wait to see you there. Hey everybody, Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors, and I'm here to tell you about a wonderful company, Saddies, custom ammunition and gunworks. Aaron Satterfield and his family have been turning out some awesome game loads lately. Uh, I've been using the Saddies Fatties uh, turkey loads, and I gotta tell you, they stop a bird dead. Chris uh, used a 20 gauge this year, I used the 12, Josh used a 20, and uh, my son actually killed one with a 410 this year with uh, one of Saddies loads, and my god, do they put the birds down like crazy. Aaron Satterfield and his family have a wide-ranging array of ammunition, custom game loads, predator loads, turkey loads, the Saddies Fatty, and also they do gun work. Please get a hold of them with any questions that you have in terms of your custom ammunition needs. Go to saddiesllc.com. That's S-A-T-T-I-E-S-L-L-C.com and tell them that Rick from Fueled by the Outdoors sent you. Buck down, baby. Oh my gosh, that was freaking awesome. This is my first public land buck. This is my second set of the season. I can't believe. Oh my gosh, I just heard him fall. I just heard him fall. Uh. I just shot my Kentucky buck. One 
Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates, Chris Leppert, and Josh Luck. I almost said Rick Cates because on your camera, it says Rick Cates. So <laughs> I almost said my name twice. What's um, up, you guys? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so, everyone, we have a bit of news to cover before we get uh, launch into anything this evening. Yep. Um, Big, big, big news! Monumental news! Huge news! If, it's uh, gonna be huge. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have joined a podcast network, not just any podcast network, the Outdoor Recreation Network. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, uh, we were invited by a group of guys, uh, the believe the Southern Outdoorsmen and uh are, are on the on the network and um what is what is nick's podcast gun dog it yourself gun dog it yourself um we we had uh, discussions we are all pretty like-minded individuals with hunting and conservation and we felt like it was a, a really good fit uh for us uh to grow the podcast and for you guys to get out there and listen to some new stuff as well and to you know expose the masses to um three guys in the Midwest who like to go hunting. Heck yeah. Oh yeah. Well, gentlemen, before we see any more, raise them up. Prost. Cheers. Prost. So. Yeah. So with joining a network, the whole purpose is to help grow the podcast. Um, you guys might hear some more ads on the, on the podcast. You'll still hear some of the same stuff that we do, like Rick has the ads running on our podcast now, but you may hear some more of those uh, span ads that you hear on other podcasts. It just helps us bring in some revenue, which will help grow the podcast, allow us to bring more content and improve the quality as we go forward. So it's it's all good things all around. It'll help us buy volume control for Josh's voice so you can hear him appropriately. <laughs> Yeah, maybe some internet that's not paid for by a damn EBT card. You leave my internet. <laughs> hey, 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 jo Josh is Josh is going to be uh, moving a lot quicker than than what he what he initially thought. So he's he's yeah. going to be having that the nice uh, cornfield um, internet here before too terribly long. That's yeah. right. Literally right after the expo. <laughs> I have to move. I don't envy you one bit. <laughs> no, you think so? These builders, COVID has them so scared to give dates now. So they're they're giving dates way out in, in advance. And anytime you bring up a date, they tiptoe around it and they act like it's top secret. Literally, our builders like don't tell anyone. I tell you, I told you this, but this is what the date looks like for move in. I'm like, come on. So <laughs> my. <laughs> it was literally it's been pushed up like four months. So four months sooner than what we thought we were going to have to move, which is good. But we are also, there's four months less of pay. In theory, it's good. But in theory, yeah. But but in, in practice, it's, oh, hey, we're going to, you know, you're going to be able to move in at the end of July, start of August now, which then means that you are now, invading and scouting time even more versus trying to move over a weekend that you might not have deer hunted at gross. You have a younger child now um, versus, you know, even three or four months farther on down the road. 
Uh, that actually may be of your benefit because he can't move as much. He's starting to move, but he's not he's not going to be moving as if he got his feet underneath of him and he took off down the hallway. Yeah, as long as I don't have him in his new little walker thing, he's basically running with that thing now. I'd keep him in that thing all the time. Josh came over today. We put some blankets down, and he just sat Theo, and Theo, like, sat there like a grown-ass man and watched TV on the floor. <laughs> like, my kids, my kids would have fell over 400 times, hit their heads, screaming, yelling at me. Theo's just sitting there kind of gabbing here and there to himself and watching whatever the hell that lady's name was. What is it? Miss Jessica or something? Miss Rachel. Miss Rachel, yeah. Yeah. I literally think he, his little belly sticks out, and I think he just like uses it's like the a belly. Stand. Yeah, it's like a like stand. a counterweight. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, so yeah, you you got that. You got right after the expo and, and and moving forward with that. That's gonna be man. That's gonna be tough. It'll be a lot. <clears throat> we'll make it work. I was just counting on having four months of extra pay to help you know buy appliances and stuff before we moved. So that'll be fun to figure out. <laughs> Maybe we Goodness can gracious. Well, never mind. I probably should should wait till like the second or third podcast, kind of like a date where we're in this new network before I start bringing my full self out. Probably a good idea. I'll kind of kiss <laughs> my neck a little bit and then leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, we forgot to mention, I think we're going to trial a new release day during the week. Yes. Correct? Yes. Yeah. So uh, as you're listening to this, uh, you'll notice like you probably got this dropped in your downloads uh, a different day. We are going to start releasing on Fridays, um, mainly because we can, but two, because uh, it, it, it allows for, we're getting into hunting season. We're getting into scouting season. Um, we all know that at some level, you either like listening to podcasts on your way to scouting or music and um depending upon how long your drive is a podcast can be one of the better things so spread the wonderful news we are going to be releasing on fridays and uh if if things suck with it guess what we'll move it back to mondays and you'll you'll have everything back to normalcy and and it shouldn't cause any issues whatsoever mm -hmm. so Oh yeah. So we're we're excited though. This is this is a really a really cool thing. Um we're on with a lot of good podcasts and uh you know this this is no different than any other uh, you know any other podcast you listen to in the outdoor space is probably on some kind of network uh at at, at this moment whether it's uh you know mediators a network uh you know there's like a couple other ones that that are out there. But uh yeah. Yeah. So enough, enough about business. Enough about business. Yeah. Um, on on to other things. On to other things. Mainly, um, we are less than a month away from the Mobile Hunters Expo in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And if you haven't bought your tickets, I don't know why you need to now because it is going to be a very, very healthy event to be at. Yeah. Um, if you're I'm, I'm, I'm stumped. I'm, I'm pumped. Or gal. If you're a southern guy or gal that likes to hunt deer, you are going to be stoked when you come to the show. We have 
Michael Perry, Daniel Lemon, and uh, Jeremy Aaron from the Do-It-Yourself Hunter on YouTube. Uh, Michael Perry, I think he has like some state records in Alabama. Um, mm -hmm. Then we have Hunter Hogan and Joshua Trollinger talking archery. And then um, who is our other person for the South? Uh, we have, who am I leaving out? Did you say Jonathan Moreland? Jonathan Moreland. John, oh my God. Jonathan yeah. Moreland, yeah. I should have named him first. I, I, I literally watched it. I watched his video this morning. <laughs> right before a workout. <laughs> it, it, um, it was, it was amazing. It, it, it's, it's, it's so good. You hadn't seen it before. No, I've seen it before. It's just so oh, good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. He goes out and gets it done with a stick bow. Yeah. So <clears throat> y'all are going to really like this. This show is tailored specifically for you guys. Um, we didn't want to have a bunch of guys with 200 inch deer from Iowa and Ohio and Illinois and all that. Not that there's anything wrong with those. We love big deer, no matter what state they come out of. Right. But if you're in the South, you generally have a different situation and we wanted to cater to that and, and tailor it specifically to your needs and, uh, what you're going through down there in that hot ass humid place you live in. So we really think that you should come give it a try. Uh, you'll be able to try almost any mobile hunting gear and then purchase it on the spot. That includes lock-ons, sticks, steps, stands. Uh, or I just said that lock-ons, um, saddles, platforms, you name it. And then there'll be all kinds of other stuff there as well. There's all kinds of other gear stuff too. Yeah. Like just all kinds of other great, great gear that you're going to be able to look at and purchase as well. Archery. We'll have, go ahead. I was going to say there's archery equipment there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Different archery companies, um, whole bunch of stuff. Going to have some e-bikes there for you to play with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bike testing area. Yeah. Going to be, going to be a pretty slick event. And, uh, I think it's going to end up being the uh, sort of premier whitetail event in the country. Um, there's nothing out there that's even close to it. And uh, we're really excited to bring this to you guys. So um, it's coming up. You can get your tickets at the mobile hunters expo.com. Uh, they are $2 off online. They're 18 bucks. It'll be 20 at the door. And mm -hmm. then um, there's all kinds of different codes that can save you money as well. If you figure those out, we're not going to give those to you because we don't want to skew things. But uh, if you listen to other podcasts and stuff, you'll be able to to get even more money off. So, yeah, and and when you come, come say hi to us. We love to meet each and every one of you that that listens to the podcast, talk to yep. you, you BS about deer, turkey, you know what gear do, doesn't matter. We we'd love to sit down and, and you know talk with you. And certainly, uh, with we're having there's a social after Friday night. Uh, where we'd love to, you know, have a beverage or two with you and, you know, discuss how, 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 how you hunt in the South and how we hunt everywhere else too. Absolutely. So with that being said, let's roll into what we freaking love the hell out of. Turkey talk hunting. Little, talk a Well, we had to say goodbye to that. Um, we closed the book. Our southern friends, they said goodbye like a month ago, but 
um, and then came up to Indiana and hung out with me on a Tuesday night, I'm pretty sure. There's <laughs> everybody from Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, you name it. They were so, all over there. So Tennessee, I just learned this to, uh, today. Tennessee was open until May 29th. Yeah. That's I insane. I saw one there the other day, and I was like, insane. How are you still hunting in Tennessee? So they took those days, those, those weeks from the start of the season, and they reversed and they tacked it back on to the end. Hmm. Um, and, and so you can hunt turkeys for like a month and a half. It's it's silly. Like it, it's you know it's almost the same amount of time. Like you can hunt out like in the Pacific Northwest or something like that. But that's long turkey season. Long turkey season. It must be lovely. At the same time, though, I'm ready to turn the page on it. Yeah, it's it's that time. Yeah, I'm getting I, some velvet picks, and it's getting me excited. I feel dirty saying that I'm ready for deer season. Uh, I've never said like, let's end turkey season and get to the deer before. It's normally the other way. I'm normally yelping and hooting and crow calling and. November and December, like, all right, come on, turkeys. And now I'm like, yeah, but to be fair, to be fair, like you had a really good season. The bloodlust, the bloodlust must have been satiated <laughs> at some level. The blood lust. That's awesome. <laughs> I did have a good season. It was, it was a great time. Uh, that's one I'll remember for a while. And what, you know, what's really cool. Is it almost kind of started and ended with Josh? And I had like a cool little moment with both of you. Mm -hmm. uh, most of those moments with you were me missing and you being successful. But <laughs> hey, I'll take that. <laughs> if we all got to kill birds, I'm fine with that. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm definitely ready for deer season. I'm, you know, I I took a few weeks off of e scouting and deer scouting in general, which was kind of weird but kind of good in the same sense because i'll bet from january to april i was probably on my phone bare minimum three hours a day and that's on the very low end uh e-scouting different states that i'm going to hunt now keep in mind i'm not like sitting at my table e-scouting right like when i am sitting you know, in bed at night or what, like I'll stay up for two hours at night or longer and e-scout uh, when I finally get the kids down or whatever, I'll take a half hour, hour, whatever, and I'll e-scout and then step away from it, get some stuff done and then come back and e-scout. So it was nice to take a break. And then we went into turkey season and I kind of actually forgot about it. And then one day I was like, oh, I should probably get back to e-scouting and and what i mean by that is i'm basically studying these maps looking for places in one of the six states that i'm going to hunt this year um well technically possibly seven but things are going to have to really go really good for that to happen because that last state would be pretty far away but um you know e-scouting certain places like missouri and illinois that are so far away, even Indiana, they just set up completely different from Ohio and the, the region of Kentucky that I hunt. And um, so it's, it's nice to get back to that. We're starting to drive around in the evenings. We drove around the night and 
looking for deer and just, you know, you, you see one that might be popping a little better than the rest and just kind of gives you an idea and starting to hang some cams again and everything. So it's, it's pretty fun. So do we want to talk about <clears throat> kind of what we do now to give the listeners some deer season yeah. stuff now? So to kind of talk about what we're doing now to prep for the season, I guess specifically early season, what we're doing now to put us in a, an efficient position, I would say. So we can, so most of us, I think all of us are actually e-scouting and like hanging cams or getting ready to hang cams for the most yeah. part. Yep. Um, so going back to what you said, Chris, as far as e-scouting, I, I hopped on uh, Spartan Forge the other day and did a little bit in Indiana. I don't know if I'll get to hunt Indiana this year, but I was just kind of practicing and looking at new areas. Um, so when you're looking at new areas, Chris, what are you looking for? Now, are you thinking of time of year in which you'll be hunting? Are you looking at wind-based bedding for that time? Kind of break that down a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously everything we say, you could probably hear on like 10 other podcasts, right? But I think certain <laughs> people put it a certain way. And then I, I will say that I feel like for the most part, there are very few podcasts you can listen to where the people that are on the podcast are actually killing deer. They're more asking questions, right? And some of them are really good at it. But I've physically seen what I'm about to say work right in front of my eyes multiple times. So it's not just something that I've heard somewhere and I'm spewing, you know, somebody else's words. I'm just going to try to put it as best I can and, and let you know that I can attest to the fact that it works. So first things first, Josh and I are early season hunters. We love early season. Uh, in, in It is our belief that you can target mature bucks early, despite what a lot of people think, and you can be insanely efficient at killing these deer. And we, re I mean, we're, we're flat out freaking obsessed with hunting. So we want to kill and then move to another state. And not because, you know, we want to post pics and get likes or our jobs depend on it. We just love killing deer, killing turkeys, whatever. So when we're looking, when I'm looking on a map, um, Number one, I'm looking at wind-based bedding and I'm, you know, while I'm setting myself up for a westerly or southerly wind for that early season, I also want to have options for a northerly or even an easterly wind. Um, so we're looking at all these different hubs. We're marking the ones that look basically the best or, you know, the best doesn't necessarily mean how that hub sets up either. Sometimes overlooked is way better than the one that looks great. It's the one mm -hmm. that looks great might be, you know, pounded. Hammered. Are you about trying to, you trying to say something? I'm, I am. So I think I missed what you said. Did you say a northerly or an easterly based wind? He said so, it, it like potentially a northerly or easterly based wind just in case. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Not, not, yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to have a Northern yeah, I mean, okay. nine times out of 10, your wind is not going to be out of the North or the, the East. <laughs> I must have been looking at my phone because I caught the end of that. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Every once in a while though, here, you, 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 get wind, you get wind shifts and it is important to have a backup plan. You'll get, you'll get a freaking cool down and you're going to have a northerly wind. And then what do you do when all your stuff is Southwest, West, West, Southwest, you're screwed. So you want to have a backup plan and be able to at least hunt that first sit on opening day. Right. So, um, I mean, I can attest to that, like just not, not necessarily from a hunting perspective, but definitely from a fishing perspective at a bare minimum. There's been times I've fished tournaments on lakes in September, like first and second weekend, and you get some freak wind that comes in out of the north or the east and it completely just tanks the fishing on a lake. Sure. And then you've got like you have to think of how you're going to do things completely different and get out of the wind because you weren't expecting it. So, you know, ha having having that that extra little bit of a plan for that that contingency is super helpful because as we've talked about plenty of times in here before a wind shift and a big deer moving uh are are, are like two hands grasping each other uh at, at, at points yeah shane yeah. shane parker shane parker yeah made a post about this recently online of some of his trail cam data showing the uh, mature buck and he was defining mature buck as three and a half or older um so looking at daylight movement of mature bucks during those fronts the frontal passages and yeah. the wind shifts associated with them it was it's pretty neat so i'm looking for wind-based bedding i want all kinds of hubs that set up for each wind uh, that allows me to access them to hunt. So those hubs, if I can get some diversity in there, that's really good. Uh, obviously, you know, a clear cut or meadow or, you know, just a, a really high stem count that, that adds cover and, um, you know, just, just a lot of diversity. When you, for whatever reason, man, when you have a lot of diversity, deer just seem to thrive and get bigger um it seems like those areas almost cater to being um little mini like oasis oases oasi <laughs> so i don't know what the i don't know what the uh yeah i don't know what the plural is plural it. would be oasis um seems kind of weird but uh so I'm looking for diversity. I'm looking for wind-based bedding that gives me an option for any wind. And I want something that's basically tough to access so that people aren't going to stay the hell away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Stay the hell away. And, and you know what, if they go there in November, cause it's a dude who's hardcore from Mississippi or something, he's chasing his dream. Great. Bravo. Go kill every deer you find. That's fine. Give me the first couple days. That's all I want. And then the other thing I'm looking for, which I can't look for on a map, this is kind of where the boots on the ground thing comes into play. We're looking for those hub scrapes, and we're literally trying to mark all the sign and food, the, the oaks, the oaks that you can look at and say, if that is, if this year is that 
Oaks year to be dropping pretty good. That is definitely a 10 day food source for the deer during this time. Like this is where he's going to go. So that, that brings up a good point. Uh, and this is, this is kind of like a point of knowledge for people. Um, and I don't think I'm giving anything away here. Cause it's, it's pretty, it's pretty um, easily accessible. If you go on your DNR, your state's DNR, um, and go on every, every state puts out a mass report and you, you can, you can find like, if you, if you have an Oak or, you know, specifically red Oaks that, you know, um, <clears throat> didn't drop real well last year, they, they do a mass report in different parts of every state. Uh, so you can get a good idea if you're going to have a good, like if that's going to be a decent enough food source for you to nice. to go after something yeah it, 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 it it's a pretty good thing um most i should i shouldn't say all most uh state dnrs have have that on there they do a hard mass and a soft mass which is very important because there's you know if you're hunting early season you know you're 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 looking for something completely different than you are late season yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's a good tip and a good tool especially I feel like if you're hunting somewhere like indiana where their openers literally kind of right around that transition period of when they're probably going to start hitting more, like get off the fields and hit more, you know, oaks and stuff like that. Um, that'd be a good tool. Um, just, just to go back, Chris, did you specify the terrain and what you're e-scouting for? Yeah. So I'm sorry. I didn't. Um, I'm looking at Hill country. Uh, I want preferably the, sort of nastier terrain, if you will, the steeper terrain that um, discourages deer hunters. Turkey hunters, it does not discourage them, we found. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they will go anywhere because they're not carrying a stand or saddle set up and bow and then thinking about how the hell they're going to get a deer out. So they just got to carry a turkey and a gun. But I'm looking at hill country, man. Uh, I like hunting the flatland too, but to me, hill country, the way it sets up, it just allows us to be efficient and narrow things down. And before I go any further, um, I'm all about paying homage. Um, a lot of this stuff I've picked off, picked up uh, from a gentleman by the name of Jake Bush. He also runs a podcast. Uh, it's called In Session and... Uh, I think you guys should check that out at some point. Um, he's a wealth of knowledge. We've we've been fortunate enough to learn from this guy. So just want to throw that out there that, uh, you know, I, I don't feel like it would be right for me to learn everything I have from that guy and then spin it off as like, you know, yeah. I'm some kind of badass who did it all on my own. I had help and I've been blessed by God. Uh, to have got to scout with that guy multiple times. So anyway, um, I'm looking for steep terrain, hill country where those bucks are going to basically bed uh, probably somewhere around that top third. And they're going to be wind to back, meaning when they bed down, they're going to have that hillside to their back with the wind rolling over it. And then they'll smell the thermals coming up. They've got a side advantage and that's kind of, you know, and this, this is something I definitely picked up off Jake. The, the bucks kind of get cocky because they can see far, you know, 
from you know October into November, December, January, February, March, April. And then all of a sudden stuff starts to grow up and it's almost like they've got it dialed so well that they get a little cocky. And um, I'm starting to see it myself. The look on their face is priceless when you stop the deer right before you release your arrow. They can't believe that somebody got in on them basically. So um, those deer also, uh, and a lot of people, a lot of people don't agree with this, but I've just seen it too much. And Jake and other guys see it too much. They're coming down wind to back. So after the thermal pull, the thermal switch, when those thermals start dropping, those bucks will actually walk downhill with the wind, the thermals blowing over their back because they've sat there and watched out in front of them, down below them for so long. So they feel comfortable. And uh, when you've slipped in there, just beyond that sort of like sight barrier, you're right on the edge of it, which is, you know, another thing that takes a lot of good planning, scouting, et cetera. And, and then a really good job getting in there um, and executing. But um, you have a full wind advantage on those deer at that point, unless they do something completely off the wall, which, I mean, it can happen, but early season, they are, they are pretty freaking patternable. They, they do the same thing over and over and over. So that's what we're looking for. We're hanging cams on these scrapes and, um, you know, in between the scrapes and the beds, we're locating the beds, uh, which is another thing we're looking buck beds. for. Yeah, buck, buck beds. That, yeah. That's, that's an important thing because like yeah. it, 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 it's great to locate doe beds if you're hunting for November. Um, like, yes, like, amen. W w w wonderful thing to do um, if, if you plan on hunting the rut. If you're planning on hunting mature deer in September, October, you need to be targeting buck beds now in order to make sure that you can get in there on these deer earlier in the season Man, before they get all weird. This guy, I'm talking about buck beds and such. I like it. Look for all the balloons. <laughs> yeah. Gotta get them weather balloons. Hey, those are a thing. I don't care what anybody I'm, says. I'm, dude, so Josh and I were at a property, and I swear to God, it like we were walking out. We 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 had found. We went we went to we went and hung cams, and we were kind of turkey scouting it. It was where you shot your uh, where you shot your deer uh, last year. Yeah. And on that same level line, you had found a bed. And when we're walking back to my truck, you go, oh, here, here, here's a balloon. <laughs> and it's like same level line. It was still 40 yards away from where you found the bed at. But I mean, I, I don't know. Like it, it, it seems it seems overly consistent unless you find <laughs> him in the middle of the water or something. I forget what it was. It like a birthday balloon or something. Mylar balloon. Yeah, a mylar. Wow, mylar. Yeah, it's a fan fancy way of saying uh, birthday trash. <laughs> uh, I think a couple things to note on what Chris said. Um, so, like you said, looking for those early season beds where the predominant wind is usually a southerly based wind. Um, you get a lot of west too, so westerly winds. Um, but in those areas and that hilly terrain, when they're coming in the back. They're able to see everything down in front, so they feel confident going down wind to back. 
down in those areas and they usually have a destination where they're going to. So usually if they're going down, they kind of have to go into back to their destination, whether that be an ag field or, or some other food source. Um, so I think that's also important to note. Um, just piggybacking off of the e-scouting and kind of planning in your head. Um, so Chris, when, when would you, are these evening hunts that you're looking for? Are they morning hunts? Well, I don't want to get unfriended by my buddy Josh here. But, um, <laughs> I, I'll, do you want me to tell you when I would hunt those spots <laughs> we're talking about? I do. I'd only hunt them in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> that up Josh has a different situation in certain spots, and he's making good plays. I'm just poking fun. But um, for the I, most part. So, I'll, sorry, I'll let you finish, and then I'll tell you about the spot I east scouted in Indiana the other day. Okay. That I think um, was for morning. Oh, all right. Same same terrain, but I'll tell you why it's different. Okay. I'm intrigued now. So essentially, I'm looking at evening only um, for these spots. Uh, morning, you're going to play hell. I'm not saying you can't do it, but I'm not good enough to do it. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, it's very difficult to get in on a buck's bed and you know beat him in there and then not get jay hooked by him so i'm looking at evening um but i'm i'm getting in early i'm i mean i'm taking what i do last year uh i think i got in there at like one o'clock man like it was fairly early and that's after like you know a kayak ride and the whole nine so there you know pretty good drive the whole nine so um basically i'm taking hours to access a spot pop milkweed and make sure everything's the way i want it and then i'm taking very long to go a couple sticks high in a tree and set everything up because where I am, I don't expect the deer to be there until much later, but I also just want to make dang sure that I don't screw anything up because I'm very close. I'm, you know, I'm 100, 120 yards from a deer's bed, and if you make any kind of noise out of the ordinary, especially that can kind of be related to or traced back to humans, you're done. So you ride the struggle bus, and with all the effort that i put in from basically january until opening weekend i want to go in there and have an encounter at the very least if i screw it up i want to screw up a shot or you know have a doe get downwind of me and blow i don't want to screw it up while i'm doing the thing that i can control which is go up the tree quietly and slowly and not make mistakes there if that makes sense i think it's like one of the understated parts of you know I've, I've had this conversation a couple of times with different people and it's you know when you're turkey hunting like I'll, I'll get to this part later but like when you're turkey hunting in the spring you ever notice how many deer you sneak up on oh dude they, they don't they don't know you're there and it's yeah. not because they they're not expecting like humans there it's because you're taking your time and you're being slow and silent if yeah. you if you if you do that same thing in the deer woods, and I don't know why people don't. I, I guess it's just like the excitement of I want to get to my tree, I want to get up it, and 
you know, the deer are going to pour down the hill before I can be there. It's like, if you, if you're slow and silent and, and you, and you make your approach the same way that you, you would is in the Turkey woods, like you're going to be in such a much better position during the deer season than you ever thought you would be. Well, I think we respect the turkeys two senses, you know, the ears and the eyes way more than we do the deer. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's a lot less going on with turkeys. I mean, let's face it. That's, you know, it's spring. It's generally pretty wet. There's, you know, all the leaves that have fallen, they're matted down. A lot of times they're wet. You're walking down logging roads instead of, you know, places that are louder basically. But, yeah. but I do agree with you. You're still, you're just kind of, on a different level as far as trying to be quiet as hell and deliberate with your movement. And, and the thing that I think I've talked with Josh, Jake, all kinds of people. Um, I think they all agree. Probably the most overlooked thing out there is access. Like people, Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. don't understand that these little suckers are literally betting to catch your ass, trying to sneak up on them. Like they're betting and putting themselves in position to watch you from a decent bit away. And so access to me though, starts when you get out of the truck, Mm -hmm. like when your hand is on the handle and it ends when your bow is hung up. And in my case, Mm -hmm. my camera is hung up like, and then once I get all that and I feel like I've done a great job, man, I, the confidence level, goes pretty high at that point and then at that point i'm just hoping an early doe doesn't come down and start blowing and i'm waiting on the thermal switch and once the thermal switch happens my bow is in my hand my camera's on and i pretty much am convinced i have the dumbest confidence in the world but i'm basically (laughs) convinced you couldn't convince me that those deer that buck that i'm after isn't coming down the hill and on his way to get shot. Hey everybody, Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors, and I'm here to tell you about a wonderful company, Saddies, custom ammunition and gunworks. Aaron Satterfield and his family have been turning out some awesome game loads lately. Uh, I've been using the Saddies Fatties uh, turkey loads, and I gotta tell you, they stop a bird dead. Chris uh, used a 20 gauge this year. I used the 12. Josh used a 20. And uh, my son actually killed one with a 410 this year with uh, one of Saddies loads. And my God, do they put the birds down like crazy. Aaron Satterfield and his family have a wide ranging array of ammunition, custom game loads, predator loads, turkey loads, the Saddies Fatty, and also they do gun work. Please get a hold of them with any questions that you have in terms of your custom ammunition needs. Go to saddiesllc.com. That's S-A-T-T-I-E-S-L-L-C.com and tell them that Rick from Fueled by the Outdoors sent you. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, exactly. And, you know, go the access part is so important because deer want to stay alive a hell of a lot more than you want to kill them. Yeah, it's not tag. It's like you don't get to play again. <laughs> it's, like, it's like once it's over, it's over. And, yeah. and you know, they, they, they are on high alert all the time. And, you know, it dep- depending upon where you hunt, obviously it's a hell of a lot different you know we're yeah. we're we're talking you know midwestern to southern whitetails that have you know the only natural predators for a lot of them are coyotes or bobcats or things like that we're not talking wolves we're not talking mountain lions um well i take that back in, in arkansas like you get you get a wanderer every once florida? in a while in florida too For, yeah florida. but we, yeah. If you want to see something really cool, this is a side note. If you want to see something really cool, go online and type up Florida Panther Deer Study and see how many when when people say how how little Florida Panthers are like like oh there's not that many. There's a ton. There there's there 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 is a good bit that are killed. There's a good bit of deer that are killed every year that they have geo collars on by Florida Panthers. Because something's Man. killing them, and it's not black bears. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that the access part, and this is a this is a hard thing to learn, especially if you are if you if you if you grew up in the Midwest and your exposure, well, in hell, even the South, and your exposure to hunting is gun season where you walk to a blind or you walk to a ladder stand and you get set up and you're walking through an open field where your scent disperses a hell of a lot differently than it would in the woods or anything like that. It, it's, it's a difficult thing to kind of get your head around because you're going to want to just do like, well, why can't I just walk in like I normally do? Well, because you're going into a different environment. It's the same thing as why you wear suntan lotion in the desert, not in the Arctic. Like it's a completely different scenario and a completely different um, situation than what you would necessarily do. I don't know if you wear suntan lotion in the Arctic or not, if it's hot or whatever. It's not (laughs) hot, but it it could be, you can still get sunburn, I guess. But um, so, so we, we've talked about access. We've talked about, um, you know, getting in and getting out of, uh, out of these places. What in terms uh, from, from your guys' perspective, what in terms of camera placement do you feel is an important 
piece of information that people miss? Uh, hold on. Before we move on to that, can I talk about my spot? Yep. You can do anything you want, Josh. <laughs> it's your world. The spot I mentioned. The We're just living in it. <laughs> so your, the spots you were talking about, Chris, I would only have in the evenings. Now, I was e-scouting a little bit of Indiana the other day, looking for same terrain type, same features for same uh, early season predominant winds. But I found a spot that I would probably hunt in the mornings rather than the evenings because um, looking at these at these points that set up for southerly base winds or westerly base winds, the ag is actually would be south or west of them so these deer would in my mind they would come off the ag fields going to bed wind to back that way when they bed they're they're wind to back looking down on these hubs but the ag's behind them so my thought is i could come from the north through the hub and pop up near bed I would I would try and anticipate a J hook back up into their bed after they come back from the ad. So wait, essentially, are you reversing the process basically to where when we're wanting those hubs that we're going to hunt in the evening, they're dumping down into ag at the end of the hub, yeah. but in this case, they're above the hub in some ag. Yeah, the ag is above them. Like, oh. so okay. you would catch them so i can't take full credit for this because i heard alex chop talk about this um he he talked in i think the last in session podcast yeah okay damn it, I, missed I, believe that. I, I believe i heard him say it in person too, pretty good he likes, he likes the ag <laughs> up top in anticipation that he'll catch the deer coming back to bed in the mornings i think he's a morning guy um, and I'm a morning guy, so I'm like, ooh, that's that's good. <laughs> and I actually saw it on the map the other day. I'm like, oh, I was looking for what we were talking about earlier, and then I happened to stumble upon that. I'm like, ooh, that would work in, in theory for exactly the situation he, he said. Um, and it looks harder to access and like a ton of ag to the south. I'm like, it sets up. like Now, I'm, it almost looks landlocked. There has to be a spot to access it. I need to find. Sure. But you just, just need to buy a helicopter. Bucks, all, <laughs> I just realized that all of your bucks that you've killed since you've been on the team have been in the morning. Yes. Yeah, they have, I, haven't they? Yeah. I, have, I never thought about that. No. Yes. Since I've been on all the his team. bucks up here have been in the morning. Didn't you shoot one in Texas that was in the evening? So yeah, that, that one doesn't count. Yeah, I'm <laughs> it wasn't not. a real buck. Okay, <laughs> that was like on a Bud Light can or something. Jesus Christ, they lured uh, those that, deer. That was an the evening fight. deer, um, but I did see that deer in the morning. Um, I've only ever killed, I think, one other. My very first out of state <laughs> trip, which would have been. Oh, how long ago was that? 2015, I think, something like that. Anyway, it was my very first deer I ever killed in Indiana. That was an evening deer. Other than that, they've all been in the mornings. I'm, Interesting. Let's, let's put it like this. All of my 
Pope and Young or better deer have been in the mornings. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. But I'm also more of a morning hunter. I mean, that's how I grew up mainly hunting mornings. Yeah. I used to be. And then I felt like I got smart. But, man, you're making me – I think I have a new tactic for opening morning of every single place I'm going to hunt now. I'm going to yeah. – you could you could try that tactic in the same terrain, just with a different thought process. Just and reverse the egg. Yeah, other your your other spots just say for the evening. Do you know how many places I've found where I'm like, God, look at that hub, but the the egg is all above it, and I'm like, Well, yeah, that's just, not going to work. Just so you're reversing the tactic, so reverse the time you hunt it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> good point. That's incredible. I. That's I'm telling you, man. That's why you have have buddies who care about hunting. That that'll raise the level right there. That's why he's that's, a doctor and we're not, Chris. Why? <laughs> don't get me started on this, Dan. <laughs> he just saved his whole week by saying this bit of bit of amazing <laughs> stuff because I've experienced some special shit this week. <laughs> so. Rick, would you like to re-ask your question? Yeah. Yes, I, I would love to before I was so eloquently interrupted by uh, Josh because he had to get his information out to us. <laughs> um, uh, what do you feel like is a key piece of camera placement that people miss? Trail camera. That they miss? Yeah. Uh, like what, what's a piece of information that you feel like people don't think about when they're placing a trail camera? A couple things, because I, I used to think this way. Um, I can, I feel like I remember hearing this on like Midwest Whitetail from like Bill Winky. This was years ago saying, oh, he's got like one camera every 10 acres and then he feels confident he can catch the vast majority of bucks in that area. I find that is very far from the truth and you actually need a lot more than that to catch what's going on. Um, the other bit of information is I feel like a lot of people are hanging on very obvious things, but you also need to pay attention to the not so obvious or the very faint stuff because it, it could provide you with more information than the very obvious stuff. Yeah, I would say... I wouldn't necessarily say what I'm going to say is like a miss, but it's misinterpreted. I think when people find these cattle paths that deer lay down, they get excited. And I'm specimen number one, uh, patient zero, if you will. Like that was me. And you know what, you know what I found on those young bucks, babies, and does like every state I've been to, it's the same. Every time I hang cameras on those big, gigantic cutout trails in the banks. It's very rare that I even get a good buck on them. Um, right. And and, and it's, it is so beyond inconsistent that it's not even worth my time. And again, keep in mind that especially when, I, when myself and Josh are talking, Rick's really, I think, kind of jumping on board and coming along with it as well. We're talking about raising your odds very high and being efficient. So I'm not saying that you couldn't go sit there and kill that buck, but I don't want to sit there and kill that buck over 15, 20, 60 sits. I want to kill him opening week 
more more or less the first couple sits first sit mm-hmm. and that, and my confidence is very high in that first sit as long as everything's set up the way you need it um you know there's variables that come into play that can screw you but um so when i'm looking at you know for example the buck i killed last year in ohio i had that thing on camera almost every day uh i i had um you know the scrape that he was on uh, i never had nighttime pictures and videos think about that all you people that bait think about what i just said for a second I can't buy a nighttime video. They're all in the daylight. I'll never run a damn corn pile again. I don't have to spend my money. I don't have to haul anything because all the corn that I used to use, I used to be a big, big baiter. They used to call me the damn master baiter on our Facebook page (laughs) by the outdoors, for God's sake. I'd have six, seven, eight hundred pounds, thousand pounds in a corn pile. Should have seen his forearms. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I would carry 150 pounds at a time and it was not fun. Um, Costs a lot of money, a lot of time. Well, now you get these scrapes, you just put your camera on them and leave and then come back. And then you have all this information and it blows your mind. So, so, so that's something that's important because a lot of guys or gals will, wait until the like fall to put a camera on a scrape and if if there if there's anything that i've learned um over the past year is that you're like you can find scrapes during the course of early season and if you do and it's a good one and the grounds tore up and and you know there's a big like there's bigger bucks in the area or things along those put a camera on that so something that this is this is more the holistic view of everything like kind of combining everything that you guys have talked about and you know things that jake has said things that alex has said things that like a a bunch a bunch of different individuals said is like when you look at the holistic view of it and when you look at like an area like where you have a bunch of beds Mm -hmm. buck beds doe beds whatever but you keep like backtracking and you and you and you bring it down to a point um finding where the intersection of the trails of the buck beds kind of come down at and putting a camera there, not the cattle path, but the slider trails. So the deer that we, that I had the encounter with two years ago on public, when I went hunting with you, Josh, yeah, opening. opening day, that deer came up a path that looked like maybe I had walked back and forth to my archery target like multiple times. It was slight. It wasn't burrowed through. It wasn't anything like that. And it was a very light trail. But mm-hmm. had we had we went back and had we looked like farther on down, you know, there's multiple beds in that area and they all kind of intersect and went out into a field at that point. You lose the trail at the field, but I would be willing to bet if you went back and hung during at least that season, had we hung a camera in that area, we probably would have had a better, a better idea of buck movement during that time. Yeah. Well, that goes back to what I said, like, don't always hang it on the obvious, hanging on the faint stuff too. I'll, I'll put a caveat to what Chris said. Um, I like to use cameras for, pure educational purposes even if i don't plan on hunting an area if i want to like oh how do deer move in this area i think they move like this 
let's put a camera up and see if my thought process is actually correct or if it's not correct. Um, with those beat down trails, let's say you're in hill country and you're seeing these beat down trails. Personally, I would still put a camera on the beat down trail, but then I would also find the fade sign where I think a buck is coming down for a couple of different reasons. Um, the one main one that pops up in my head is I want to know when those the does and the babies are coming down, like how much earlier is that than the buck? Right, because if it's if it's not far and you still got to set up relatively close to where those does are coming down, then you're gonna have to be mindful of when they're coming down, how often, yeah. how close they are. Um, so I think it's just a good educational point. I'm not saying you're gonna find the bucks there. I'm just saying it may better inform you of the situation. Um, Absolutely, well said. I am running way behind on my cameras i have yet to put them out of my number one spot i still have cameras out from last year that i need to pick up and if you're like tyler westell you just lose cameras and you don't even remember <laughs> how you put them <laughs> out. what do you say you lost five cameras last year yeah got that welder money man <laughs> i don't know where i put them oh. good lord <clears throat> i need so, to yeah my goal this week is to actually get 10 cameras ready and then deploy them hopefully this weekend. Um, that's the goal. I just need, so I'm, I'm after a particular deer this year and I need to really, I have a pretty good idea of his area. I just need to understand better of how he's using it frequently. Um, there's a lot of nooks and crannies that he can kind of hide and use the terrain to his advantage. So I just need to figure out how he's using it. And when I can get out there, I have a good idea of how I'm going to access it. At least in my head, I do. That's different than what I've done in the past. Um, I'm going to try and use some cameras to confirm. So I have a serious question about the deer, because I think I know the one you're talking about. Um, do you, and, and th this this is like all things considered, that 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 deer... Do you want it hard horned or do you want it in velvet? Oh, I would love that thing in velvet. He can look even, <laughs> even Just making sure. Just making sure. Uh, I mean, and he looks like a, I mean, he is a giant, but he, he looks. He's a giant, Josh. Like there's. He looked, there's <laughs> in velvet last year, he looked. Enormous. He looked ginormous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when he was walking away in that one video, I was like, oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's a situation where that deer is older. And like, you hear a lot of people talk about as some of these deer get older, their core range shrinks. And then they kind of, they kind of become homebodies and they're kind of difficult to push out. And I think that's the situation I'm running into. Um, so I'm going to use cameras. I, I did some postseason scouting and uh, found couple newer like scrapes and some licking branches um where i think it's closer to the steers like core that i'll probably hang some cameras on um that that's kind of what i have been doing i guess the past couple years to gain inventory looking for scrapes looking for looking branches and not just like any scrape or looking branch um it's got to be in like the right location near some bedding, near some cover where these deer are going to feel safe to move in daylight. A lot of these ones that are used frequently, they may not be pawed at, but it's, there's like 
you'll see like the grass indentation or it looks like deer have stood the the ones that are worn out and bare but they're not pawed you know the deer are just standing there for a while and you'll notice the licking branches have been worked yeah um, looking for that stuff and then um travel routes to and from um bedding to food and different stuff like that you know it's interesting like people people say you hear people talk about like big deer weird or big deer like are are different than other deer when you really think about it like if, if you're dealing with like a six or seven year old deer it's like how how different is it from like an old person like you like staying where you know you don't want to go out around a bunch of other things you want to stay in a certain area because you know that it's safe and you you've made all your bad decisions as a youth and you don't need to go make those bad decisions again <laughs> i mean yep. i feel like it's like a 40 or 50 year old guy. Yeah. Basically like they're not what not I in the midlife crisis totally. though. <laughs> What's that? Not in the middle of a midlife crisis though. Yeah. Well, right. Um, I feel like they're basically, you know, ping dick and they've been around the block. So they definitely, um, they know how to stay alive. They've figured it out and man, it, it makes them tough in one sense. And then of course, you know, not so too well, really, really, I just think it's sort of an arrogance or whatever that you just kind of exploit a weakness. And, but, but you have to be, you have to be really in tune with what's going on at all times to make that happen. Like it's not, mm -hmm. it's not super easy. One thing that, I'm a firm believer in like when I'm in a tree and I feel that thermal pull, oftentimes I'll be like, all right, he probably just stood up out of his bed and now he's probably going to take a crap, pee, you know, whatever, and then probably going to start moseying his way this mm -hmm. way. So it's time to slowly start getting ready and scanning and man it's it's worked yeah well gentlemen we've Is been at it for about an hour already yeah anything else you guys want to head on i i think that that's mainly i think that's mainly just with with regards to you know what what we were discussing earlier is is best to kind of just hit on is you know if, if you're, you know, we, we talked about trail cams, we talked about um, identifying beds, we've talked about uh, beds specific to certain winds, especially, and, and just, and just getting out. Um, and I think that that's, uh, that's the biggest piece. So I'll ask the uh, famed question at this point. Um, what is your, no, I got a different question. I've got a different question. Okay. Oh, oh. I was oh. not. I was not briefed on this before the podcast. You so. were not. Neither was Josh. Um, <laughs> um, what is one thing that you did wrong last season that you're going to improve upon this season? Oh, I got <laughs> Go. Josh is like, this is a layup question. <laughs> I, I pigeonholed myself in Ohio. Um, 
I put all my eggs in one basket, mainly because I was having a, a child in November. Theo. Yep, a child named Theo. But I pigeonholed myself. I put all my eggs in one basket because I had been successful. Uh, let me three years in a row. Sorry, I was counting the deer on my wall. Uh, so this year, this year, uh, my goal is to not do that and scout multiple places. So I have places to fall back on. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty much perfect. So no. Um. Well, mine's actually easier than Josh's. Oh. Um. I mean, I have like the easiest thing to work on, but probably the toughest thing to execute. Uh, if you've followed us for any length of time, uh, especially over the last deer season and this turkey season, <laughs> you know that Chris. My name is basically a holiday, Christmas. So um, I have the to do everything amazingly and then blow the part that's supposed to not be so hard. So this year, I'm going to work my butt off at what I used to be really good at. And I'm going to execute my shots better and not miss uh, this year. If I make my two shots right off the roost in Kentucky, I kill four birds in five sits. If I if I do not miss that deer in Indiana last fall, mm -hmm. I have three bucks in two does across three states in eight sits. So I really screwed the pooch. And I think I ended up sitting Indiana. I think it was like another seven or eight times something say, like, like over the course of like a month and a half or two months right yeah yeah there was that one day where you had that horrific snow mm. oh dude that was the opener of rifle season so yeah which you know i go in there and i get on these deer and it's just phenomenal i don't <laughs> see or hear another human being i'm like well next week's rifle season i'll get in here early and this is going to be a layup you know i'll have a 350 legend dude i didn't even see a deer and it was pretty rough and we're talking like peak of the rut man i thought for sure but there again you know this is where things can really hinder you um you know you can be as prepared as you want you have something weird happen with the weather uh, like people i spent years being the hero and going out in every kind of weather if i don't have a certain wind speed and things are relatively calm i have no no interest in wasting my time and that snowstorm proved everything everybody's like oh yeah the snowstorm it's got them up and moving yeah sure in the evening when you have beautiful ag to sit over maybe and that's a maybe but that's also like a january thing when they don't have a lot of food when they still got plenty of white oaks and red oaks on the ground. They don't care to move. No, they don't need to move. It's not been, you know, 10 degrees. It's been 50. And in that mm -hmm. case, I want to say it was like in the 70s or 80s. It was in the that 70s the week before. Yeah, that's when we had that crazy warm-up. And I think it actually got up into the like the 80s or something. So I remember oh, everybody yeah. crying on the internet. But that's where, you know, that snowstorm, people get excited about snow. Those deer hunkered the hell down. 
and didn't move. And I could see for forever. And I didn't even see a damn doe, little fawn, nothing. No little stupid bucks. So, which middle of November in Indiana, you should at least see a damn yearling buck cruising somewhere. Didn't see anything. So you got to make them count when you can. And uh, Chris is going to have to pull his string and start learning how to shoot things the first time and stop making this shit so interesting. <laughs> I think uh, I think mine is uh, the one thing I did not do enough of last year was um, and th- th- this this is uh, a very basic fault on my end. Uh, I had not shot a buck with my compound in, in quite some time and I shot that deer in Ohio in October and I let myself relax and I really thought like, oh, I'll have plenty of other time to go hunt. Uh, I did not make time to hunt uh, as much as I should have in Kentucky. And I, you know, ate tag soup. Um, I didn't make time to uh, hunt does in Ohio like I would normally do. But the larger aspect, if I look at it, is um, boots on the ground scouting. I I did not do enough of that last year. And I know, um, well, I've tried to at least three times this year and it just hasn't happened yet. Um, but, but, uh, hopefully this weekend, uh, I'll get out and scout a piece of public that, uh, we've all talked about and I hope to go hang some cameras there and in a different, little bit different area than where we necessarily wouldn't naturally be looking and seeing if something doesn't pop up there instead of where everyone else may be going. So that's, that's the thing I want to correct. Oh yeah, man. All right. Well, you want to close us out yeah uh everyone this has been fueled by the outdoors we've been your hosts rick gates chris leppert and josh luck thanks for sitting and listening with us or letting us talk at you for the past hour and we will talk at you next time bye see you see you guys